Real quick, we, um, it, it's an honor to, to be able to serve um, underneath such great leaders. Um, and so uh, Pastor Alex has been like a dad for me my whole uh, journey here. And so can we just honor our pastors, Pastor Alex and Judy, really quick for the faith of 30 years ago, um, stepping out to start a church as great as this one. Um, so we're in a series in the mix called The Miracles of Jesus. Um, and in this generation's night, I'm gonna continue exactly where we kinda are in this series, um, in the mix. But before I get there, I just wanna share a quick story. Um, that's actually a very true story. Um, took place last night. Um, and on Tuesday nights, we have our mixed band rehearsal um, for our team. Um, and last, Wednesday, or last night, we decided that we weren't gonna have a rehearsal since we were here and we had a mix um, between the adult band and the, and the mixed band. Um, and so we do these quite frequently, but we were just gonna have a team night at my house. Um, it was gonna start at 6 p.m. Um, so I left the church around five, went to, to Publix and, and got some snacks and, and some waters. And I get to my house right around 5.45. Um, I walk inside of, of my house. I live in College Park, just 10 minutes um, down the road from here. And I walk in through my garage, and, and when you walk into my house, you walk directly into the kitchen. Um, I have a Pitbull Mutt mix, um, and he's in the kitchen laying face down like this um, on, the, on the tile, which is just odd. Um, he, he usually isn't there. He's usually in, in his bed when I come in. Um, but I'm carrying these waters. I'm carrying groceries as I come in. I set them down, run out to the truck and grab the, the second load, and I come in. And I don't, not and I, I don't notice that there's anything different um, except for Chase. That's my dog's name. He hasn't moved yet. So I'm like, Chase, why, come on, buddy, get up, get up. And then he, he kind of slowly gets up, and I, I look over to notice that his water bowl is completely empty. Well, I'm a great uh, person. Did I forget to, to give the dog water this morning? So I fill up his water bowl, put it down, and immediately he drinks the entire um, bowl of water. If there's any um, animal activist in the room, just, I love my dog, okay? He's five years old. Um, just... <laughs> I didn't mean any harm. Um, and so he, he literally drank the entire bowl of water. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And I go and I fill it up again and I set it down and he's starting to drink the second thing. And at this point, I'm kind of realizing it's a little warm in the house. Like I, so so I, I run over to the thermostat of my AC um, and, I, and I look at it and it says 90 degrees. Anybody ever walk home and your AC just decide to go and strike for you? That's taken about 10 minutes of my time now. I got home around 5.45, so now it's about 5.55. The moment that I noticed that the thermostat said 90 degrees, I look out the window of my front and I see 20 kids about to walk inside of my house. And I'm like, this is gonna be a bad night. I, I don't, I, like, I, at this point, there's like, we could go outside, but it's, it's 100 degrees outside on the porch. Like, I, I don't know exactly what's gonna take place. And I literally had this thought. I've been a pastor for eight years. I love Jesus, okay? But I literally had this thought. 90 degree temperature, my dog's almost dead, and 20, 25 teenagers are about to walk inside of my house. I'm in the middle of the living room, and this is what happens. Really, God? Really? Why me? I'm trying to do everything right. I'm stepping out. I got 25 teenagers that I invited to my house. And this is how you repay me, God. Really? Why me? I passed 100 houses on my way from the church to Publix and back to my house. And I did not see one AC truck in anybody's yard. There's, there's nobody outside in the front yard asking if other people's ACs are out. And just the thought of, really, God? Like right now? Perfect timing, like you, you got the universe in your hands and you let my AC go out tonight, really. And, it, and it's just a story of like, really God? Like, 
I mean, this is what's gonna happen, why me? But really, if we're honest with ourselves, maybe your AC has never went out, but there's a lot of people in the room that if you really examine your life and your spiritual life right now, it's kind of with this approach of, really, God? How come it's so much easier? How come no one else's AC is broken? How come it's so much easier for other people to receive from Jesus and for them to see like they're, they're getting things and, and they understand the blessings and my kids are going wild? Really, God? I don't understand why me. Why do you want to pick on me, God? It reminds me of, of, of this verse um, in James chapter one. You'll be familiar with it when I read it. It says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. Let me just be honest. There was no joy in my living room last night at 5.55 with 20 teenagers about to walk in, 90 degree weather. It says, for you know that your faith is tested. Your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. I wasn't about to have my endurance grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. As, as, a, as a pastor, let me just be honest with you. Again, I, I said it, but there was no joy at all at 555. None. I, I didn't see God working anything. I didn't say, oh God, what are you trying to teach me now? Like all I wanted was for these kids to leave my house and try to figure out the AC because I have a 14 month old baby and my wife just worked a 14 hour day and she's gonna come home and it's all gonna be my fault. It's all I thought about. <laughs> How am I getting in trouble for this? And I was at work all day and had nothing to do with it. Reminds me of, of just a story that we're gonna kind of read through in the Bible. And the truth is, is as we talk about miracles of Jesus, what we've done in the mix is there's 37 miracles that Jesus performed um, in the gospels. And we've kind of dissected and we're kind of just looking in, in some of these and how those miracles developed and, and what took place and what was people's responses in those miracles. But it reminds me of the story um, in John chapter five. I'm sorry, Mark chapter five. And it's easy to praise God when, when you already know the end of the story, right? And it's easy to praise God when you're believing for somebody else. It's easy for me to look and say, hey, just have faith. You got it. God's gonna come through. But if I'm honest, when I look at my life and I look down and say, God, you like me? It's hard to believe for my own self, but it's easy for me to believe for you. So I wanna start this story um, and start from the end so you kind of know what's going to take place so you can see. The title of the message tonight is There Is Hope. There is hope. Hope. Mark chapter two, or sorry, Mark chapter five, verse 42 is the first verse we're gonna read. There's a 12-year-old girl that has passed away. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and truly amazed. This is the end of the story. We're gonna start from the beginning, but this is, I just wanted to show you the end of it for a second. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. If you could see your life in five or 10 years from now, it would be easier for you to have hope knowing that the situation that you're dealing with right now will not last forever. But you and I, when I look at my life, I don't get the privilege of knowing where am I going to be in 10 years. I don't get the privilege of knowing where am I going to be in five years. And if I'm honest tonight, I've spent a lot of days in this moment. Really, God? Why? Of all the people that you could make something happen, not just my AC, like, like this happens a lot in my life, just, just being very honest. Why do you hate me? 
Like, I know you love me and, it's, and I can say that, but right now I feel like, really, God? I spent a lot of days in this place. Now, let's look and start reading from the beginning of the chapter. Mark chapter five, verse 21 says this. Jesus got into the boat again and he went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd had gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of a local synagogue whose name was Jarius arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. And point number one tonight, as we look at miracles of Jesus and we look how these couple miracles developed um, and what the response of these people were, I'm just gonna give you four points. And point one is you have to give God your struggles. You actually have to give your struggles for Jesus for there to be a miracle that takes place in your life. Jarius responds, he runs when he knows that Jesus arrived and he fell at his feet. It's easy sometimes for us to think that we've given our struggles to God, but we've actually never given them to God. Sometimes we gossip about our struggles for prayer request or did you hear this person did? We really need to pray for Johnny because you hear Johnny's, you know, he's making... And instead of giving Johnny's situation to God and asking God to help, we decide that we're gonna gossip in our prayer circle about what is happening with Johnny, but we've never given really Johnny to God. I'm gonna share just a, a story um, that I went through a little bit in my life. Um, and, and I've never shared, the, most of you if, you, if you come to the church, you, you know the story, but I've never really preached the full story. Um, and so I wanna give you glimpses into this story and let you know a little bit more of the back of it. Again, point number one is you have to give your struggle, you have to give your situation to God. My wife and I, we struggled with infertility for about six years. The end of the story, we have a 14-month-old um, now that you'll, you'll see a picture of, and, and most of you have seen her run around crazy um, around the church, but um, we struggled with infertility for about six years. Um, and for those six years, month after month after month after month, we were in this place of, really God, I don't, understand. And me and my wife, we had a choice to make. We could either give our struggle to God or we could keep our struggle to ourselves and pretend like we've given it to God. If you've given your struggle to God, just so you know what that looks like, is that you're going after God, pursuing him in the middle of that struggle. There was nights that, that my wife doesn't even know about because when she was asleep, I would, as Pastor Alex says, he has his chair and he has his place where he, he spends time with God. There was nights where I would go into my office and get into my hands and knees and begin to cry out to God, fervently crying out to God of God. I don't understand why this isn't happening, but I understand and I trust you that I don't understand and I'm not going to know everything, but I'm trusting you with this situation. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't determine that you're not good in my life. And it doesn't determine that I'm not showing up on Sunday with a smile on my face. And it doesn't determine that I'm not going to share your goodness, even though I feel like I haven't seen you this situation. There's, you can live your life in the middle of a situation when you've released it to God. Your situation doesn't determine your outward expression and your relationship with God. But what happens when we go through situations and, and we go through these emotional things and we, we struggle, and you can, you can have days. There was days where I would say I was depressed. There was days where I, 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 I was struggling, but I still knew that God had a greater plan. And no matter what that was, it wasn't go I was not going to go out and do something crazy. Point number one, you have to give it to God every day. That's not a, a, a choice that you make one time and say, okay, I've given that to God. And so now I don't have to go to God on a daily basis and talk to God about that struggle. 
Sometimes we, as I talk to teenagers, they, they go through struggles and I ask this question, have you given it to God? Yeah, yeah, we prayed. Yeah, that was like a month ago. We prayed, you, do, you, do you talk to God about it daily? Well, I mean, you have not given it to God. As we continue to read this story, in verse 23, Jarius, it says, pleading fervently with him, with Jesus that is, my little daughter is dying, he said. Please come lay your hands on her and heal her so that she can live. Point number two tonight for us to receive our healings, we have to be honest. We have to be honest. Look at what Jarius says. He says, my daughter is dying. He didn't sugarcoat it. He didn't say, my daughter's kinda, you know, I mean, I don't know what we think. He said, look, she's dying, okay? She's dying. And I, and I talk to people and I go through counseling and sometimes we, we're going through these struggles and it's not to make them light, but they say, hey, pastor, can you pray for me? Because I'm just having those thoughts again. You're having an affair, that's not just a thought. Like, be honest with where you are, right? Like, well, well pastor, you, you, like, I'm kind of, I'm hanging out with the wrong people, can you pray for me? You're doing drugs. Like you're not just hanging out with the wrong people. Why are we making our, 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 our situations? Be honest with where you are. God can handle your honesty. Jarius says, my little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Jarius didn't say, hey, my daughter's struggling. You kind of know. Your promise needs your honesty. Fervently, it says. 24, Jesus went with him. He's going with Jarius and all the people follow, crowding around him. It would be great if the story kind of ended here, right? Jarius came to Jesus and said, Jesus, my daughter's dying. Can you please come with me? Jesus says, yes, let's go to your house. But when we read in the Bible, it just doesn't kind of play that way. In my wife and I's story with, with the fertility, uh, we, we sat down with some infertility doctors and we've been, it's been about five years at this point or, or four years or so. And uh, we, we decided that, hey, we're going to do IVF, in vitro fertilization. Um, it's, it's about a $25,000 procedure. We signed the dotted line. The next month we were going in, we were starting the procedure. Um, we were actually gonna start it literally that day. The doctor said, it's, it's the perfect day in the cycle. We can start it today. And I told my wife, like, hey, just slow down. Like, let's just wait one month. A couple of weeks later, we... My wife comes out of the bathroom with just a smile that I had never quite seen before. And she says, can I, can I tell you something? I'm pregnant. And it would have been nice if, like that was the end of the story. And it would have been nice if in Jarius' case, he went to Jesus one time and, and Jesus said, yes, I'm coming. And it, and it would have been the end of the story. But we continue to read in verse 23 and it says this. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she had spent everything that she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe for she thought to herself, if I can touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of this terrible condition. Jesus realized that once the healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. 
your struggling, your suffering is over. If I'm Jarius, what in the world? Jesus, you were supposed to be coming with me. I'm the one that got to you first. I'm the one that said my daughter is dying and now we just wasted all of this time. Jesus, are you serious? Do you even care about me? And I've wrestled with God and asked kind of why is this story kind of like in the middle of this other story and I don't understand this. And when I was dealing with, with infertility, Sunday mornings were really hard. Baby dedications, if you've ever been in that place, they don't make you wanna jump up and say, let's go back and worship Jesus. People mean well in things and comments that they make, but they hurt. And so I asked God, why is this story in the middle of Jairus' story? And I felt like this is what he said, when you're waiting on God, it's okay to celebrate others. In the middle of the struggle of my infertility, I read this, this scripture of this verse and I asked this God and he said, it's okay in the middle of your struggle to be able to celebrate others because your miracle is on its way. And listen, it's okay for you looking at your own struggle and looking at where you are, it's okay for you to be happy that other people are being blessed. A whole lot easier said than done, but it's okay because Jesus said your miracle is still in the way. Point number three tonight is we have to seize our opportunities. We have to seize our opportunities. Jarius saw an opportunity to go and meet with Jesus. There was not an announcement on the blowhorn that Jesus was coming through. The Bible says that this woman heard that Jesus was coming through. It wasn't a, a big spectacle thing, but she went and said, listen, I'm not allowed to go in the temple. I'm unclean. I'm not allowed to be in the presence of God because of my situation. I see an opportunity where Jesus is coming through, and it's my last hope. I'm going to seize my opportunity. How do we seize our opportunities? We show up on Sunday morning. We don't miss weeks because we're depressed. Because what if that Sunday is the morning that Jesus wants to touch you and everything changes? Sometimes we use our issues and we use our things to miss the moments and the opportunities that God wants to change our lives forever. We get involved in small groups. It was a group of guys, our, our pastoral staff and our Pastor Alex's small group that I'm involved in. When I was depressed those days and when I wanted to give up and when I wanted to say it's all over, there's nothing, this is never going to happen. I'm never going to be a daddy. It's not going to happen. It's not in the plans for me, even though that I knew God said that it was. It was the small group that I had to seize the opportunities and take from their face so that I could have some of my own. We seize the opportunities in moments of worship like this. The Bible says that where two or more are gathered, there my presence is. We seize the opportunities by not slacking off. We need to worship Jesus every night like that's our night. Our miracle is coming through. I say this uh, to our teenagers a lot. Um, change is inevitable in your life. Next year, May the 29th, some of you will have a few more wrinkles than you have tonight. Some of you will lose a few pounds. Some of you will gain a few pounds. Some hairs may be a little grayer. Just for men, they might be a little blacker, I don't know. Um, but if you take a picture of yourself today, you can look back, look at your social media and look at what you posted one year ago today. Change in your life, it's inevitable. 
You don't have to do anything. It's going to take place. But progress is optional. You don't have to do anything for change to take place. Nature's gonna have its way and, and there's gonna be things in your body and, and you're going to change, but progress is optional. Pick back up the, the verse in verse 35. Mark chapter 5, 35. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the house of Jarius. The leader of the synagogue told him, your daughter's dead. Way to make that story great. There's no use of troubling the teacher now. As Jarius was celebrating or watching somebody else's healing come through, the Bible says that his actually got worse. After our first miscarriage, my wife and I decided that uh, we were not going to, to go on any more um, fertility treatments, that it wasn't the plan that God had for us. And if, if you've done those, God bless you. Um, we just felt like, hey, this isn't the plan for us. And we took about a year and we tried and we, we did our thing and we, we tried and tried and tried and and thought, God's gonna come through, God's gonna come through. We fasted and we prayed and nothing took place. Till Wednesday morning, my wife came out of the bathroom with this, this smile that kind of looked like the first smile and she said, can I tell you something? I'm pregnant. No doctors, no, no fertility treatment. They told us that, that it wasn't going to happen unless we did X, Y, and Z and then it was still a long shot, but, but without anything. About 10 weeks goes by, I remember I, was, I came to Pastor Alex and we celebrated and, and we said, this is our miracle. And the staff was, we were celebrating what God was doing. 10 weeks later, Tuesday afternoon, we, we were running an internship here at the church. We had 26 kids in our internship. And my wife sends me a text that says, I need you to come home. I'm leaving work. Without even her telling me what was taking place, I knew. My situation, the, the miracle that I thought God was, was coming through for just got worse. As Jarius looks and he says, this woman that just got her healing, if God can do it for her, he can surely do it for my, for my daughter. Let's go, Jesus. And the instant the servants arrive and say, Jarius, your daughter's dead. It's not worth it. Forget about it. You don't even need to go any farther. Point four is, and probably the greatest one tonight is we have to remember our promises. God wants to remind you of your promises tonight. Every bad moment that's taken place in your life, every moment that you've said has been a back thing, every time that you've been in a corner going, why God? I don't understand. I look around, it just seems so easy for everybody else. Why me? James chapter one verse two says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. And this is way easier said than done. But when you can remember your promise, you can remember the joy. Because when you can remember the promise, you know the end of the story. Even though we see where Jarius is right now, we read the end of the story to know that his 12 year old daughter is going to get up again. And even though he doesn't know it, and even though that he can't see it yet, when we remember our promises of point number four of the miracles of Jesus, and we know that he's told us something, it doesn't matter what it looks like, but we consider it joy when it even gets worse and worse and worse. And I know it's harder said than done because we know it's going to be a greater story in the end because we can remember the promise. Mark chapter five, continuing verse 36. But Jesus overheard. Them and said to Jarius, 
Don't be afraid. Just have faith. A whole lot easier said and read than done. Verse 37, then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw some commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why is all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. Sometimes if people can't believe your promise with you, they have to leave. And that's not, that's not, I'm being bad to them. I'm not being Christ-like. But if they're pulling you down, sometimes you have to make a step to say, you can't believe my promise with me, then I can't have you in my life because the people that you put around, the top four or five people that you put around you are the greatest influences of your life. If those four or five people can believe in your promises, in three years, you'll still believe in your promise. If the four or five people around you can't believe in your promise, in three or four years, you won't believe in your promise anymore either. I love that the Bible says, he says, but he made them all leave, all of them. You know, it's better to have a few people that can believe in your promises than a crowd around you that can't. And you may say, but I feel so lonely. But how much do you believe in your promise? But, I, but the crowd is, it makes me feel so much better and I feel like, and I feel like, and they love me. They don't love you if they can't believe in your promise. If they can't believe in your promise and they can't see that God is working in your life, they don't love you or they can't love you the right way. Continuing, he says, the crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. He took the girl's father and mother and the three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talia, go home and I'm sorry, if, Pastor, if I didn't say that right. Which means, little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. The greatest verse in the Bible. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. After that second, uh, second miscarriage um, in our story, my wife and I, we, we kind of like every Christian family, you know? We're gonna have two kids of our own and then we're gonna adopt one. Like, that's what Christian people do, right? Love, love everybody. We felt like God said in our, in our spirits, why are we waiting? If God put that in our heart, why don't we be the leaders and go ahead and do it? And, and, and on Monday, my, my daughter that we adopted, her, her name is Leighton, and they have two pictures they're gonna show you. Um, she, she celebrated, she's 14 months old now. And can I tell you the response that every person says? Look in verse 42. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. I don't know why this is my story. The pain of, of two uh, um, miscarriages still hurt. Doesn't go away. But when I can look at this picture, I can see that God has a plan. I'm not saying that God calls them. I, 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 don't, I don't know and, and it's okay. It's okay for me not to know and it's okay for you not to know all the answers. It's okay because when you see God's plan, it's greater than me even getting the answers, okay? It's greater than me even getting those. And I don't know your struggle, and I don't know why you're going through what you're going through, but all I know is tonight there is hope. There's hope. If God gave you a promise, it can come to pass. Well, but it's been six years. I, I don't care. When I was 14 years old, God gave me a promise that I would see my dad serve him. You know, two years ago, 14, 15, 16 years later, I saw my dad surrender his life to Jesus. 
16 years. I don't know why it took 16 years. But all I know is the promises of God are real. The promises of God still stand. The timing of the promises of God are up to God. Is your promise gonna come tonight? Is your healing gonna come tonight? I sure hope it does. I believe that it can. And I believe with you and I'm gonna pray with you. But maybe it'll come next week. I just know that I'm gonna worship every night like it's coming tonight. The fulfillment of God's promises over your life, the timing of that is up to God. But you and I, we play a part too. The four points tonight, and then we're gonna go um, back into a time of worship just for a second. The fulfillment is up to God. I don't heal you. No preacher heals you, God heals you. Okay, God heals you. It's up to Jesus to heal you. It's up to Jesus to touch you. It's up to Jesus for your miracle to come through. You give it to Jesus, but our four points tonight is this. Number one, you have to give it to God. And that doesn't mean that one time I just say, God, help me. No, that means you give it to God. When I give it to God, I know that it's going to, it's going to happen. Number two, be honest. Be honest with the four or five people that are around you. If you haven't been healed yet, don't pretend I've been healed and then go home and look at porn. Be honest, I'm still struggling. It might take three or four more times to pray. It might take us to fast another month. Don't, don't fake it, be honest. Number three, seize your opportunity. The presence of God is in this room tonight. Seize your opportunity. Number four, remember your promise. And I'm gonna ask one question. We have a little bit of a shorter um, service tonight. Um, and in just a few minutes, we're gonna dismiss. And there's food trucks outside. And we're, this is another opportunity for you to, maybe tonight you meet the friend that believes in your promise. If you don't have a friend that believes in your promise, tonight you have permission to go find one. Go find one. Go outside in the foyer, hang out and find somebody. You don't, you don't, you're introverted? Well, go up. Just go talk to somebody. You just gotta stick your hand out and say, hey, my name is Sammy. I need somebody to believe in my promise with me. Will you believe in my promise with me? Guys, it's a little... You know, go to guys, so don't make it quite as, as weird, but you know, you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes. But before we close and before we go and, and we have fun and, and all of those things, I'm gonna ask you two questions. Um, and number one is, is there's people in this room that as I spoke, there is hope. There's no hope for you. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, there is no hope. If you're not serving Jesus on a daily basis in your life right now, there is no hope. We can, we can talk about that hope, we can do things and you can leave and you can feel better about yourself, but if you're addicted to sin, sin is your master, there is no hope. But tonight you can change that. The Bible says that whoever confesses their sin and believes in their heart, they shall be saved. Tonight you can walk this altar. You can, you can say, Jesus, I wanna give you my life and every, the greatest miracle that could ever take place is all the shame and all the guilt that you have in your life instantly is gone, all of it. The greatest miracle, imagine that. God, could, if, I, if I broke my leg and somebody came and prayed for me and they healed it, like it's temporary because when I die, I don't need my leg anyway. But God can come and give you eternal salvation that lasts eternity, the greatest miracle. All your shame, all your guilt, you never have to have it anymore. There's hope. There's hope, but there's hope only in one name and that's Jesus. There's hope for the ones that serve him and surrender him. And here's what we're gonna do tonight. If you have sin in your life, 
and Jesus Christ is not the center of your life and you've never repented of your sin or maybe you have but you're still struggling and you haven't broke free of your addictions and of your bondages and of your sin and you say tonight before I leave this place I need to make sure that I'm right with God. I need to surrender myself and I need to be a child of God. I need to do that. If that's you in the room, can you just lift up your hand? We don't need to close our eyes. We don't need to do anything. Just lift up your hand. If you need to make a, a declaration tonight, just lift your hand up. Just lift it up. Not, nothing to be ashamed of. When I was 16 years old upstairs in room 250, I still remember the night. It was a Wednesday night. It was a high school service. Our worship leader, Mike Villadesal, was preaching. And I remember lifting up my hand and walking up to the front and crying like a baby because I felt Jesus. Anybody else? Just lift up your hand. You say, tonight I need to give my life to Jesus. There was a few hands right over here. Tonight I need to give my life to Jesus. I need him to forgive me of my sin. Just lift it up, lift it up, lift it up, lift it up. I'm gonna count to three. I'm gonna ask you to make a bold step. We do this every Sunday at our church, every Wednesday, every service that we have, somebody gives their life to Jesus. It's amazing. But when I count to three, I'm just gonna say three, two, one. If you raised your hand or maybe you didn't, but you say, I need Jesus in my life. I need to make a declaration that Jesus is the Lord of my life. Before I leave this place, I need to know that I'm right with God. I just wanna ask you to walk up here in the front. It's nothing to be embarrassed of. So far this year, over 500 people have done this and made this declaration in our church. So if you say, you know what? I need to give my life to Jesus. Three. Two. One. Come to the front. Meet me up here. Doesn't matter how bad. Doesn't matter how big. Tonight, Jesus wants to meet you. Tonight, Jesus wants to meet you. Wait, come on. I'm gonna say this prayer and there's nothing special about my words. The Bible says whoever confesses with their mouth, that's why I'm gonna say this prayer because we're confessing with our mouth. You believe in your heart, that's why you have tears coming down your eyes, almost every one of you right now. You already believe it, you know that it's true, the conviction is there. So whoever believes in their heart and they confess with their mouth, they shall be saved. That's what the Bible tells us, that's what we believe. And so I'm gonna say a prayer and I'm just gonna ask you, the only reason that I say the prayer is to help you articulate the words that you already feel in your heart. And so if you're in our church family um, and you've made this declaration, could we just say it and support just like we always do for these that are up here? Could you say, Jesus, Jesus. Tonight, tonight I give you everything. I know that you died for me. I know that you raised to life so that I could have life. And, and tonight I receive that. I ask you to forgive me and wash me clean of all of my sins all of my mistakes. Tonight, I choose to serve you and give you all of me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, this is... I'm so proud of you, um, but this isn't the end. This is just the beginning. Um, because it's not just something that we do one time, um, but Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with you. And we as a church wanna help you understand a little bit more about that, what, it, what that is and how to make a next step. So this is Pastor Dave. Um, and he's just gonna take you in this room. It's not weird. It's just gonna be 30 seconds or to a minute. And we just wanna be able to answer any questions and help you understand what's taking place in your life and, and why you have tears and why you have those. So, so if you can, just walk right here with Pastor Dave really quick. Uh, 
again, before we dismiss tonight, a little bit of a shorter service, and there's gonna be fun out there, but most importantly than that fun um, is if you need something from Jesus that you get that tonight. More, more importantly, we're, we're gonna go out there and you can get a burger or whatever, but more importantly, I don't know where everybody is, but if you're in a place of why God, if you've lost faith in some of your promises, some of our pastors and our, and our team, we're gonna be up here and we wanna pray for you. We're gonna go back into a time of worship. Maybe you just wanna go back into a time of worship. Um, you don't have to walk out. You don't have to go out there. Services is gonna continue, but if you, if you wanna go out there, we're gonna, I'm gonna do a quick prayer. We're gonna dismiss, but when I say that prayer, listen, if you need something from Jesus tonight, don't leave this room till you get it. Well, what if I'm here for a long time? I might get in trouble for saying this, but just stay till you get it. I don't know. I don't know, I'll stay with you. Um, Jesus, I just thank you that there's hope in this room. God, I thank you that your presence is in this room. And God, tonight I pray that we would give all of our struggles to you. God, I pray that we could be honest. God, I pray that tonight we'd be able to seize our opportunity. And I pray that tonight we would remember the promises that you've given us. And if you've given us those promises, you are faithful to complete them. You are faithful no matter what the situation looks like at this moment. You are a promise giver and a promise keeper. In Jesus' name, we just thank you, God. And I pray for every person that's gonna walk up here that needs you in the midst of their life right now, God. God, I pray that as they walk up here, you would meet them exactly where they are. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you need something from Jesus before you leave, the altar is going to be open and we're going to go back into a time of worship. Um, but if you want to go out for some, some community time out in the foyer, there's some seating and there's some food trucks and stuff like that. If you can, just be respectful of the people that are coming to receive from God um, at the front. And so just walk out through the back. Um, and we love you guys. Sunday morning, 9 and 11, there's services um, right here. Students in the mix, we meet right here, 11 o'clock. Student section's right up there every Sunday. God first is Sunday. Encounter signups are going on. Also, youth camp signups are due this Sunday. You can see us at the info booth for that. Hey, if you need prayer, if you need something from God, don't stay in your seats. Come up. Let's believe and let's go after God.